Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. In our first installment, we focused our attention on the need for the Holy Spirit. We said, why do we need the Holy Spirit? We said, we need the Holy Spirit, number one, because it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to be able to continue the work that Jesus Christ started on earth, the work of salvation. It is the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer that makes it possible for that work to continue. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit to be able to comfort believers in challenging times. Jesus Christ said that for his sake, we are going to be persecuted. For his sake, we are going to face all sorts of tribulation. But when we believe in him, spiritually, it will comfort us. That's why the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit to be able to enhance fellowship. The Bible says that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And it is the spirit of the almighty God that empowers us to be able to fellowship with him. Romans chapter 8 verse 26 says, Likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what to say or what to pray as we ought to. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us. So we need the Holy Spirit so that it can enhance our fellowship and our communion with God. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to guide us into all truth. Jesus Christ was talking to his disciples and said, There are so many things I want to tell you. But because right now you are not there yet, he said, when the Spirit comes, he will teach you all things. There are things that we do not understand. But when the Spirit of God breathes upon it, it brings illumination, it brings understanding. And then you begin to see clearly what the Word of God is saying. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And then finally, we need the Holy Spirit to be able to form and reveal Christ in us. To form and to reveal Christ in us. In other words, it is the Spirit of the Almighty God that forms the character and the nature of Christ inside of us. It is the same Spirit of God that reveals that character of Christ, that tells the whole world, this one belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's why we need the Holy Spirit. In our second installment, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. We said, who is this Holy Spirit that we're talking about? Some people call it a force. Some people call it an it. But the consistent testimony of the scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit himself is God. When the Lord Almighty was talking the garden and the creation of mine, he said, let us make man in our own image. So the Holy Spirit is God. Number two, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We know about God the Father. We know about God the Son. But we know also about the God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. We said, who is this Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a distinct personality. It's a distinct personality from the Father, distinct personality from the Son, distinct personality as the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 3 verse 21, it says, Now when all the people were baptized, it came that Jesus also was being baptized. And praying the heavens were opened. The Holy Spirit descended upon him in a bodily shape like a dove. And the voice came from heaven which says, Thou art my Son in whom I am well pleased. You can see the three distinct personalities that makes up the Godhead. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is distant from the Father. Number four, the Holy Spirit has divine personality. The Holy Spirit has divine personality. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit teaches. The Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit commands. The Holy Spirit comforts. He has divine personality. The Holy Spirit also has divine attributes. Which means the Holy Spirit is eternal. It can never die. The Holy Spirit is eternal. The Holy Spirit is omniscient. Which means it knows all things. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. Which means it can do all things. The Holy Spirit also is omnipresent. Which means he is everywhere. There are fellowships that are happening right now in Africa. There are fellowships that are happening in Asia. There are fellowships that are happening all over this city. And where the presence of the Holy Spirit is invited, he is there. So the Holy Spirit has divine attributes. He is eternal. He is omniscient. He is omnipotent. I mean, he is omnipresent. And then finally, the Holy Spirit has divine authority. He can command. He can dictate. He can prescribe what needs to be done. The Bible says that Paul the Apostle wanting to minister in a certain place, the Holy Spirit said no. So he has divine authority as to what can happen in the body of Christ. And then finally, the Holy Spirit performs divine works. If you remember in Genesis 1, the Bible says that in the beginning, there was darkness on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of the Almighty God moves upon the face of the deep, and the Lord said, let there be light. The creation of that light was as a result of the action of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit creates. The Holy Spirit raises back to life. The Holy Spirit saves. The Holy Spirit reproves of sin. The Holy Spirit performs divine works. The Bible says that the power that raised up Jesus from the dead, that same power is working inside of you. So the Holy Spirit is able to raise from the dead. In our third installment, we talked about the works of the Holy Spirit. The works of the Holy Spirit. And we said that there are some basic functions that the Holy Spirit performs. One of the first works of the Holy Spirit, we saw it in the book of John chapter 16 from verse number 18. And the Bible tells us there, it says, when he is come, that is when the Holy Spirit is come, he will perform these duties. Number one, he will convict the world of sin. He will convict the world of righteousness and he will convict the world of judgment. So the works of the Holy Spirit is number one, to convict the world of sin. And that is John 16, 8. Number two is to convict the world of righteousness. That is to tell the world the righteousness of Christ. Not only that, it's also to convict the world of judgment. The Holy Spirit is the one that reminds people all your action is going to be judged whether you like it or not. Because the devil, which is the father of all lies, have already been judged. The Holy Spirit not only convicts the world of righteousness, it convicts the world of judgments. And then the Holy Spirit also convinces the world through believer. In other words, the Holy Spirit brings people to Christ, convinces them of the truth of the gospel through believers who have already come into the kingdom. In other words, we are already in the house, we are already in the kingdom of God, and the Holy Spirit through us brings others into the kingdom. So that's what the Holy Spirit does. Not only that, the Holy Spirit also regenerates unsaved souls. Nobody can be saved except the Holy Spirit brings them in. Except the Holy Spirit walks upon the heart of an individual, you can preach from now till kingdom come. They will not understand the message. So the Holy Spirit is the one that performs the work of regeneration in the heart of the people who are not yet saved. And then finally, the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers for service. In other words, believers who want to go into service and do the work of God, they cannot do it in their own power. Because if they do it by their own power, they will fail. The Bible says by the arm of the flesh, 
shall no man prevail. And so, in order to be able to do the work of God with the power of God, the Holy Spirit is the one that makes it happen. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ told them in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need that power. Those are the things that the Spirit of the Almighty God does. Continuing, I'm going to be focusing on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So this is going to be a two-part section. The first section is to be able to lay the foundation. And then the second section will deal with the receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're dealing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, reading from verse number 28. Joel chapter 2. Reading from verse number 28, the Bible tells us that it, says, it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see vision. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. This was a prophecy that was given by prophet Joel. And it was given 700 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. This particular prophecy was given in such a way that for the Jews that are listening, they never thought the Spirit of God would be poured upon people because they knew that the Spirit of God is only released upon the kings, upon the priests, and upon the prophets. And here Joel is telling the whole world that the day will come when the Spirit of God will be released upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they are not going to be kings, they are not going to be priests, they are not going to be prophets, but they shall receive the Spirit. So when Lord was speaking through Joel, and was given the promise of the Holy Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was not only going to be on the Jews, it was going to be on the Gentiles, regardless of their nation. He said, and it shall come to pass that afterward I will pour my Spirit upon all flesh. He was also going to pour out the Spirit on all people. For centuries, this prophecy remained elusive. Until the day of Pentecost. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2. Reading from verse number 1. It says when the day of Pentecost was fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house. Where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them. Divided tongues of fire. And one sat upon each of them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, the prophecy that Joel spoke about 700 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, all of a sudden, the Bible says that the room where they were was filled and came in like a rushing mighty wind, and every one of them were filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God. And from that particular encounter with Christ, the Bible now tells us that Peter, the leader of the apostles at that time, stepped out. You will recall that there was a man that was afraid. When Jesus died, this was the guy that was hiding. But the Bible says that when the Spirit came, he went out and he started preaching. And if you go to verse 16 of Acts of the Apostles chapter 2, the Bible tells us there, Peter started preaching. He said, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, he was referring back to the prophecy that has been spoken 700 years earlier. He said, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass. In the last day, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And my men servants and my men servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. In other words, Peter was connecting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost back to what Joel prophesied 700 years earlier. 
Peter then went on to say, if you go down in that chapter, by the time you get to verse number 38, Peter now said, he said unto them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But look at verse 39. He said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all those who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. In other words, Peter was identifying the people who were qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter was trying to tell us who are the individual that has been promised to receive the Holy Spirit. Peter was making the case for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Peter was saying that the Holy Spirit was for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's not reserved for a group of people. The Holy Spirit is not just for the pastor or for the special Christians or for the super anointed. No. The Holy Spirit is for all men. He said, I will pour my spirit on all flesh. So Peter was saying, this particular promise is for both the Jews and the Gentiles. This promise is not just for the present generation that were listening to Peter. He said, it is for your children also. So it is not impossible for children to be saved. It is not impossible for children to receive the fire of the Holy Ghost. So he's saying his promise is for you. He promises for your children. He said the promise is for the whole world. He said for the promises unto you and to your children and to all who are far off. So not just the people in Jerusalem who were listening to him, not just their children, but to say as people as far. And to be able to make them understand what he was talking about. He said the promise is for all time until Jesus will come. Look at that verse number 39. He said, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. And that as many as the Lord will call includes you, includes me. Because I can bet you my father was not in uh, Jerusalem when Peter was talking. I can bet you. <laughs> and my ancestors had no way of getting to Jerusalem at that time. So, but the gospel came to us because Peter understood that the gospel would be preached all over the world. And Peter said that as everywhere the gospel goes, and as many who accept that gospel, he said, as many as the Lord will call, those are the people who are qualified to receive the Holy Ghost. And so we can see from scripture that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is applicable, is available, is essential, is a gift to all children of God who are born again. Which means that God is still pouring out that spirit because the Lord is still calling people to himself. As long as God is calling people to himself, the spirit of God is available and is still a gift to all those who will receive it. The question then is, what is this thing that is called the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What is this thing that is called the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Before we talk about the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to clarify one thing. Because here is where there's a lot of issues in the church when the issue of baptism of the Holy Ghost is talked about. There are those who believe that baptism of the Holy Ghost, you receive it the time that you are saved. And that's it. You are born again and the Spirit of God is inside of you. And that's the end of it. There's no need for any other baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, I am of the school of thought that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct spiritual experience. We'll get there for a second. But I want to clarify certain things. First thing I want to clarify is that the Holy Spirit dwells in the life of every genuinely born again Christian. The Holy Spirit dwells in the life of every genuinely born again Christian. Every believer at salvation receives a measure of the Spirit of God. That's what the Bible tells us. Romans chapter 8. 
If you read from verse number 9, the Bible says, If a man have not the Spirit of Christ, it's none of his. You cannot say that you belong to Christ if you don't have the Spirit of Christ. The Holy Spirit is also called the Spirit of Christ. So, every born again child of God has a measure of the Spirit of Christ. But, baptism of the Holy Spirit is a different experience. The Bible tells us that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a definite promise of the scripture. If you go to the book of John chapter 2, verse 28 that we read, he said, I will pour my spirit upon you. If you go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, he said, Indeed, I baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoe I am not worthy to bear. He said, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So it's a promise of scripture. It's not something that is made up. It's a promise of scripture. There is a baptism of the Holy Ghost. Would Jesus is the only one qualified to give number two. Baptism of the Holy Ghost is the privilege and the birthright of every born again believer. The Bible says, which father? He said, you being evil. None of your sons will come to you and say, give me bread and you give him a stone. Or give me fish and you give him a serpent. He said, how much more the Lord Almighty will give to his children the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is a privilege and a birthright of every born again believer. Bible tells us in John chapter 14 verse 16, he said, I will pray the Father and he will give you the, another comforter that he may be with you forever. So it's a birthright that is given to believers. Number three, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a definite experience that you know when you have it. When you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will know. It is not a question that I'm born again, I receive the Holy Spirit. If you ask me, are you baptized the Holy Spirit? You say, well, I think I know, I think I don't know. It's not a question of if or not. You will know. Acts chapter 19. For you to know the definite position of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 19 verse 2. The Bible tells us that Paul was visiting a particular group of Christians. And in verse number 2, he asked them. He said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And these people responded. They said unto him, we have not so much heard whether there's any Holy Ghost. In other words, we don't know. We don't even know if there's an Holy Ghost. And Paul is saying, have you received? Which means, if he asks you, have you received? It means that you will know when you receive the Holy Ghost. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is an experience that you know when you have it. Number four, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a distinct and additional work of the regeneration in our lives. What that means is that when you are born again, you receive a measure of the Spirit. But when you are baptized, that is a separate experience apart from being saved. In the book of Acts chapter 8, Acts of the Apostles chapter 8, reading from verse number 5, the Bible tells us, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord heard and gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying out with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsy and were lame were healed. And there was a great joy in the city. That was what the ministry of Philip to the people. But if you go on to verse number 14 of the same chapter, Acts chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible now tells us, it says, Now when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. In other words, everybody knew that salvation has come to Samaria. A lot of people have received Christ. The place there's a revival going on. They now sent Peter and John. Look at verse number 15. The Bible now says, Who when they came down 
prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. These were people who were already born again. Somebody came, did the revival, they accepted Christ. The news of the salvation went to Jerusalem. The people in Jerusalem sent Peter and John. And when they got there, verse 15 also, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. Now look at verse number 16. He said, for as yet, it was not falling upon none of them. Only they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. So the baptism of the Holy Ghost is a separate experience from being born again. When you are born again, it's a separate experience. We see it here in the case of the church in Samaria. They received the word of God from Philip. Now Peter and John had to come pray for them to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? It's a distinct experience. But one thing I want you to notice is this. Those two experiences can happen simultaneously. Those two experiences, you can be saved and be filled or baptized in the Holy Ghost at the same time. And we see example of that also in Scripture. The Bible tells us of the story of Cornelius. Cornelius was praying. The Lord told him, go and call Peter. Peter got there. And as Peter was preaching, if you go to Acts of the Apostles chapter 10, if you read from verse number 44, the Bible says, While Peter spake, the Holy Ghost fell upon them all which had the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed, were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. The point I'm making here is that salvation and the baptism of the Holy Ghost are two separate spiritual experiences and spiritual encounters. But they can happen separately and they can happen immediately. We've seen the two examples in scriptures. Number five, baptism in the Holy Ghost is given primarily for the purpose of empowerment for service. So when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is not to be able to show off that you are a more spiritual person. Or that you are actually not having dinner with God. That's not the intention. The intention is to empower you for service. It's not just for you to speak in tongue in the church and that's the end of the story. No. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is primarily given to empower believers for service. The Bible says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And what? Then you will become my witnesses. So the primary purpose is to receive power so that you can serve in the kingdom of God. But the question is that, when the Holy Spirit now comes upon you, what is the result? What do you see in the life of a believer that has the Spirit of God in operation? The first thing you will see, the baptism of the Holy Spirit results in the power for the believer. Either power for prayer, power for study, power for service. You see a different level of power in the life of the believer. You say, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. So the first result is the result of power. Number two, when you truly are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you will be involved in the service of the kingdom. It doesn't mean that you become a full-time pastor. No. But there is a passion inside of you to be able to get the word of God, to be able to be involved in the things of God. The zeal of the house of God begins to fill your heart. So you see, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, power comes, service follows. Number three, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, it results in spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Reading from verse number 7. The Bible says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. For to one is given the Spirit, the word of wisdom. To another, 
the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirit. To another, diverse kinds of tongue. To another, interpretation of tongue. All these works that one and the self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills. In other words, when the spirit of God comes upon you, it gives you gifts that will enable you to do the work that he has committed to your hands. Whatever assignment that God has given unto you, when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are empowered with the gift that will make the assignment easy for you to carry out. And that is what we refer to as the anointing. When you are empowered, supernaturally empowered, to carry out the work that God has committed into your hand. So when you are baptized in the Holy Ghost, it results in gifts. Number four, baptism of the Holy Ghost results in the boldness of the believer. The Bible tells us that before Pentecost, Peter and the rest of the disciples were afraid and they hid themselves. But after Pentecost, Bible makes us to understand that Peter was able to declare the word of God to multitude. He was able to stand in the book of Acts chapter 5. He was able to stand in front of the Pharisees, the people that pronounced the death sentence upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He was able to tell them that they should tell him whether it was okay to obey God or to obey man. That is the kind of boldness that comes when the Holy Spirit falls upon you and you are baptizing him. The question then is that who needs this particular Holy Spirit. Who are the believers that need the Holy Spirit? If you go to Luke 24, reading from verse number 45, you see something very interesting in that verse of the scripture. Luke 24, reading from verse number 45. The Bible says, Then open he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooves Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead the third day. And repentance and remission of sin to be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, verse number 49 now, pay attention. Verse number 49 says, And behold, I sent the promise of my father unto you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Who are the people that needs the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is basically telling the people, he said, if you are going to do this work that I'm calling you to do, if you are going to do it effectively, he said that you must wait for the promise of the Father. You must wait for the endowment of power before you even dare to go out. So in other words, the believer who needs the Holy Spirit is the believer who wants to live a victorious Christian life. So a believer who wants to live a victorious Christian life needs the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because by the arm of the flesh, nobody can prevail. Number two, the believer who wants to be effective in the service of the kingdom is a believer that needs the Holy Ghost. If you want to be effective in the service of the Lord, if you don't just want to be doing the service of the Lord in your own wisdom or understanding, you need the power of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Number three, the believer who wants to operate in the power and the authority of God is the believer that needs the Holy Ghost. The believer who wants to operate in the power and the authority of heaven. That is the believer that needs the Holy Ghost. And that is the believer that pursues. Because it's one thing to declare a thing and it comes to pass. It's another thing for you to declare and the thing look at you. 
The Bible tells us of the sons of Scepha. They wanted to do what Paul was doing, but they did not have the power that Paul had. And as a result, they became a prey in the hands of the enemy. And a believer who wants to operate in that power, a believer who wants to operate in that authority, that believer is the kind of believer that needs the infilling and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Number four, the believer who wants to set the captives free and enlarge the kingdom of God is a believer that needs what? That needs the Holy Ghost. In other words, you want to preach and bring people out of captivity. You want to be able to preach so that the word of God will make impact in the life of people. You need the power of the Holy Ghost upon what you are saying. Because whatever you are saying, if it is not backed up by the Spirit of the Almighty God, it will have no impact in the lives of the people of God. And then finally, if you don't want to be a prey in the hand of the enemy, if you don't want the enemy to eat your lunch, if you don't want the enemy to mess you up, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. A believer who wants to be able to overcome all the challenges and the trials that the enemy is throwing their way, that is the believer that seeks the Holy Ghost. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.